Hi, I'm John. And I'm John. We're classically trained conductors who are also working theater music directors. Each week, we'll tell you a little bit about shows we enjoy and why you should check them out if you haven't yet. This is Musical Minutes with John and John. Hello, John. Hi, John. How's it going this week? I'm okay. We're uh, got some rain here which is super good because the pollen has been trying to kill me recently. The joys of spring when our natural adversary pollen comes to wreck our lives. It has been bad this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it usually seems to be okay. So this week we are talking about a show that probably almost everyone who listens to this podcast knows exists has probably seen it. Hell, half of you have probably done it. This week, we are talking about the 2012 musical Newsies with music by Alan Menken, lyrics by Jack Feldman, and a book by Harvey Firestein, based on the 1992 movie Newsies, written by Bob Zidzicker and Noni White. Newsies opened on March 29th, 2012 at the Nederlander Theater and closed on August 24th, 2014 after playing for 1,004 performances. What an odd, like, 1,004. You couldn't go to five? Or or stop at 1,000. Stop at 1,000, yeah, I know, it's very curious. Anyway, Newsies was directed by Jeff Calhoun with choreography by Christopher Gatelli and music direction by Mark Hummel. The original Broadway cast included Jeremy Jordan as Jack Kelly, John Dossett as Joseph Pulitzer, Ben Fankhauser as Davey, both Louis Grosso and Matthew Schechter as Les in Alternating Days, Andrew Keenan Bolger as Crutchy, and Kara Lindsay as Catherine. Newsies was nominated for eight Tony Awards and won two Best Choreography and Best Original Score Written for the Theater. Give life's little guy some ink, and when it tries, just watch what In July of 1899, Jack Kelly, the leader of the homeless newsboys in Lower Manhattan, tells his pal Crutchy about his dream to escape New York for a better life in Santa Fe. The next day, as the newsies gather at the circulation gate to purchase their papers to sell, Jack meets two brothers, Davy and Les, who come from homes unlike the other newsies and are just selling papers for a short time to help their family. Jack sees an opportunity to sell more papers through them and invites them into a partnership. Joseph Pulitzer of the New York World decides that he's going to increase the cost of the papers for the Newsies in order to increase his profits. Because fuck them kids. I really wasn't sure if you were going to say that, but I wanted to write it because that's the sentiment of Pulitzer. Basically, Uh, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad you said it. 
At the end of the day, Jack, Davy, and Les run into the evil Warden Snyder of the Refuge, a juvenile detention center which Jack has escaped from. The three flee into the theater of Jack's friend, Meta Larkin, for whom he paints backdrops. While Meta performs, Jack runs into the young reporter, Catherine Plummer. She rebuffs Jack's flirtatious advances, but is charmed by his drawing of her. The next morning, the Newsies learn of Pulitzer's price hikes, and Jack tells them it's time to form a union. Jack and his gang spread the plan to other Newsies across the city, but many are reluctant to join unless Spot Conlin and the Brooklyn Newsies agree to join in the union. Catherine decides to report on this story. Discouraged by the lack of support, the OG Newsies are about to give up. But Davy sings a song about seizing the day, and the group decides to strike anyway. The child rebellion is squashed by Pulitzer's goons and the police. In the fight, many newsies are hurt, and Crutchy is beaten up and arrested, taken to the refuge. Jack flees to a rooftop to whine and blame himself for what's happened to the other newsies. Again, he wishes he could be in Santa Fe. Act two starts the next day. Catherine is searching for Jack amongst the battered Newsies at a local deli. She attempts to cheer up the Newsies by showing them her article on their strike in the New York Sun. This works for a bit until they learn that Pulitzer has ordered a news blackout on the strike, and they realize that Catherine's story will be the only one published. Hovering on death's door, Crutchy pens a letter to his brother, Jack, urging the Newsies to continue to look out for one another. Davy finds Jack hiding in the basement of Meta's theater. Davy informs Jack of his plan to hold a citywide Newsies rally at the theater, but Jack is unwilling to put the boys back in danger. Davy, Les, and Catherine convince him that it is not the time to give up, but Pulitzer isn't backing down either. In his office, he plots with Warden Snyder to stop Jack. Jack comes to Pulitzer's office to deliver an invitation to Davy's rally. Pulitzer declines the offer, claiming that if it's not in the papers, and it won't be in the papers, it won't have happened. Jack claims they already have a reporter on their side and on the story, but Pulitzer reveals that Catherine is actually his daughter, and Plummer is merely a pen name. <gasps> He offers Jack a choice, call off the strike, have his name cleared, and take money to go to Santa Fe, or be arrested and sent to the refuge. Catherine, who was listening to all of this, attempts to apologize to Jack for hiding her identity, but he ignores her as he is taken down to Pulitzer's cellar by more goons. Another day dawns, and Spot Conlin and the Brooklyn Newsies decide to join the strike. Jack, however, is convinced they can't beat Pulitzer's money, power, and connections. He arrives at the rally to tell them to call off the strike. Jack publicly accepts Pulitzer's buyout money, and the newsies turn on Jack. Jack again flees to the roofs. He's beaten to the roof by Catherine. She has found a bunch of Jack's drawings depicting abuse and suffering in the refuge, and the two fight about their various secrets. The fight is cut short when Catherine kisses Jack. After this, Catherine has a new plan. They'll use her articles and Jack's drawing to make their own paper. 
Jack agrees, remembering an abandoned printing press and Pulitzer's cellar they could use. Before they can get to work, the two have to sing a ballad about love and inspiration. The Newsies all gather to help make the paper and distribute it across the city. Governor Theodore Roosevelt gets a copy of the paper and arrives at the strike in full support of the Newsies. Roosevelt gives Pulitzer an ultimatum, and Pulitzer gives in to Jack's demands. The Newsies win. Roosevelt also decides to shut down the refuge and arrest the warden. Crutchy, saved from death's icy grip, is reunited with the gang. Pulitzer offers Jack a job as a political cartoonist. Jack declines, saying it's time for him to head to Santa Fe. Davy, Catherine, and Crutchy urge him to stay, and Jack has a change of heart. He decides to accept Pulitzer's offer, but also stay a newsie. Two jobs, the American dream. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because it's true. Okay, um, buckle in, everyone. This is going to be an interesting episode. Look, let's just start with what is probably obvious. This is not a show that appeals to either you or I, and that doesn't make it bad. It's just, you know, that kind of commercial trash that some people really love and uh, (laughs) you and I hate. Okay, I don't hate this show i have actually worked on this show multiple times in multiple roles i've played in the band for this i've music directed it i like i know this show i know this show well this is gonna sound weird this show is not about the music per se now the music is important and it's obviously it's a musical so it has a a a large role to play but this is for lack of a better term a dance show there's just, there's no two ways around it. The music is, is at times it's pretty, it at times is charming, but the music is there to accompany the dancers. That's, that's all there is to it. And it ends up making kind of a hierarchy system in this show. You have two types of songs. You have songs with dance and you have songs without dance. And in my opinion, there is a vast difference between the two. When you have the music where it it is part of a bigger dance number, big of a part of a bigger ensemble number, they go into detail. They, you know, there's little tiny things that are added in kind of to give it that third heat that ultimately are lacking in some of the songs that don't have choreography. 
there's actually two like that come to my the top of my head. So and towards the very beginning of act one. So this is pretty early in the show. It's when they go to Meta's theater for the very first time. And you have two songs, which are almost back to back. You have that's rich, which is sung a, a solo song sung by Meta. And then right after that, you've got, I've never planned on you and don't come a knocking, which is kind of a mashup song. And they like, there's maybe three lines in between that's rich. When you have a, a a strong meta, it's a great it it's it's a great song musically, but the score doesn't treat it that way. It treats it just kind of as this is kind of a quasi ragtime, quasi saloon, turn of the nineteenth century into the twentieth century, like generic. I need to be at a a performance venue song. Like it just it exists. And then you have three lines later, you have I never planned on you and don't come a knocking, which does have a choreography element to it. And a lot of the nuance that is missing from That's Rich, that first song, is immediately shoved in. And there's just no two ways around it. It shows very quickly in about a 10 minute block the various effort that was put into the two different categories of song. Yeah. So unlike John, uh, I have not seen this show. I have not worked on this show. I have listened to this show because I'm a professional and I do my research for this podcast. Um, my my big takeaway kind of highlights exactly what you're saying. The music is 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 pretty unremarkable. Like it's just sort of generic theater music. It doesn't really have any special moments it has now been almost a week since i listened to it as we're getting ready to record and i can honestly say i can't remember a single bit of it i'm going to take that a step further and i'm probably going to say something that is going to make a couple of people listening to this podcast clutch their pearls especially if they've worked on this show with me the music is not only generic theater music, it is generic to the point of there are multiple moments in this show that remind me of modern circus music. Now, I'm not talking about, yep, yeah, but like, I'm not talking stereotypical, hey, we're clowns and we're buffoons and we're, we're marching in and all that. If you listen to the opening number, Carrying the Banner, and then you listen to Santa Fe, especially when we get into these large dance blocks it's very this generic brass and winds and percussion sound that is in a way timeless but tries to be modern and not modern in a sense of we're cool we're hip more modern as in we're writing here in 2012 even though the show was supposed to be set in 1899 and it just comes off as generically performative to me like there is nothing about the music especially in those moments that say hey we're in 1899 new york city like and maybe even that's the problem i have with that's rich in this generic yes she's singing a saloon whatever thing it never really even gets there like it's just it sounds like a song that someone would write based off a description someone else gave them about what this song should sound like to be authentic. 
And then you turn it around and you get to like seize the day and you're like, well, fuck authenticity. This is a dance show. We are going to show off these damn dancers and this is what we're going to get. And it's, you know, in that regard, it's fine. It's a perfectly acceptable framing device for big ensemble choreographic numbers. If that's what you're into, go see the Newsies. You'll probably have a hell of a time. And that's really what it comes down to, is this show was written, it feels like, as a a star vehicle. And it's interesting, because in my mind, I'd always been like, oh, well, this was obviously written as a star vehicle for Jeremy Jordan, because nowadays it seems like Jeremy Jordan can do no wrong. And if you're a theater lover under the age of, I don't know, 30, Jeremy Jordan is one of your minor deities. And looking at the timeline at this, I I ended up having to revise that in my head. I do still sincerely believe that Newsies was written as a star vehicle. I don't think it was written as a star vehicle for Jeremy Jordan. I think it was a star vehicle show that made Jeremy Jordan a star. Because 2012, and we looked it up, he at this point had been one of the replacement Tonys for the um, the 2009 West Side Story revival. He had done the workshop for Heather's The Musical. He had originated the role of Clyde Barrow the year before in Bonnie and Clyde, which was not a super popular, like that was, that was not like a, this is I'm going to make my mark moment. Newsies really was where he like made that stamp. And then he went on and, and uh, was on Smash uh, in 2013 on television uh, has gone on obviously now to become a capital big um, name and and that that's great and that's fantastic they knew what they were they knew what they were doing when they wrote this show they knew what their target audience was and they knew that this their goal was again to make as much money as possible and to be fair, it did do well. It sold the entire run. It just, I don't know. I'm conflicted by shows like this because part of me knows, I almost feel like there's an obligation for me to like this and to cheerlead a show like this. It's it's what do you want your theater to be? Sometimes right. what you need is theater that is just cheap and flashy and a good time. And sometimes you need that. And if that's the case, the Newsies is a great option. But if you want your theater to be meaningful or have some commentary, then, okay, sure, there's sort of a a super, 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 superficial generic anti-capitalist message. But, like, you're you're really stretching to try and walk away from the Newsies with that as the takeaway. Right. So so then maybe this is not the show for you. And that's okay. And that's will and should change for people depending on where you are in your life uh so this it's again i don't think either of us is necessarily saying this is a bad show it's just not a deep show no if you're going to look and have your ideas changed about child labor laws and the role of the union in workers protection, you're not going to get any deeper than a surface level reading in this show because it really is much a, 
okay, so he raises the price. I think it's like 10 cents per 100 papers, which right now we're thinking, wow, what? A, who cares? Whatever. But in 1899, that would have been a significant amount of money, especially for a lot of these newsboys who were homeless, who were literally making pennies a day, and that was how they ate and that's how they lived. Um, Pulitzer comes off kind of as a caricature in this show. So there's no nuance in this fight. It's the good newsboys versus the evil Pulitzer. And even at the end, Pulitzer doesn't give in as much as the deus ex machina of Theodore Roosevelt comes in and says, bully, bully. And Pulitzer's like, okay, fine, whatever. Like that, the last scene is very much, okay, well, I can't completely give in. What if I do X, Y, and Z? And Jack's like, well, you could do X and Y, but we need to do Q, L, and North Dakota. And he's like, well, okay, fine. And that's it. Like, there is no conflict resolution to the show as much as there is, okay, we got to land this sucker because we've got two more dance numbers that we need to get through. And for some reason, people still care about the plot. Yeah, so I want to circle back to your star vehicle comments because I, I I don't actually think they set out to write a star vehicle show. I think they set out to write a dance show and they got super lucky in landing Jeremy Jordan, who was able to elevate Jack Kelly to the point of sustaining what little story there is to this show, but also making it compelling to those who saw it i think if anything the star of this show is the ensemble and the choreographer and and the dance because that is that's what sticks in your mind about this show which is why nothing sticks in my mind because i haven't seen it and that's and that's fair um i have seen it i've seen it many times in in many locations and you you are right. It kind of lives and dies by its choreographer. The first time I worked on this show, we were very, very fortunate to have a very, very, very talented choreographer who put them through their paces and, and, and it successfully show. So to the point where my memories of the show aren't even necessarily the work I did musically, but more the work I did with the band to support that choreography and in the in the scheme of things i feel like on the technical side that's what it's going to be for a lot of people who do work on this show you know can you carry a tune great can you dance that's the important question is there anything else we need to say about the newsies no i think that's about it so uh, if you want to, you can listen to this show. But really, if if you think this might be of interest to you, and that's fine. We're not saying you're a garbage person. We really, <laughs> truly are not. It is totally fine to enjoy things that make you happy. I'm being sincere, even though it sounds like I'm not. This is my sincere voice, people. Please trust me. Uh, maybe just go find somewhere that's producing it, because this show is so freaking popular. It's probably somewhere nearby. It is. And in a pinch, if that doesn't work and you have Disney Plus in 2017, they did do a, a video recording of this show, which was then released on Disney Plus. So if you well, want to see go. the show, there you go. Just 
Just be real is all I'm asking, not some painting in my head. Cause I'm dead if I can't count on you today. I got nothing if I ain't got sex. Well, that should just about do it for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can drop us a line at musicalminutespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Musical Minutes with John and John or on Twitter at Musical Mins Pod. That's Musical M-I-N-S Pod. Intro and outro music, Bebop 25, is provided under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License by Jason Shaw on audionautics.com. Thank you for joining us. I'm John. And I'm John. And we'll see you next time.